I don't like the way that they treat their shows. I feel like if this show would have ended up somewhere else, let's say cable instead of streaming, I think it would still be on the air. And I don't think they would have had to rush season two. And I will say when a movie is released in theaters, that matters. And I believe they tried to release this towards the end of August in 2013. That does not tell me that you have any faith in this movie series at all. In the 2000s and 2010s, young adult books experienced a meteoric rise in popularity. From Twilight, The Hunger Games, and Divergent to The Hate You Give, books written by John Green and Simon vs. The Homo Sapiens Agenda. These books captured the hearts and imaginations of readers around the world. And they were also made into adaptations that would get more people to fall in love with these stories. And that is what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about young adult book adaptations, the good and the bad. Welcome back to another episode of Such a Fun Read. I am your host and resident reader, Cherie Lampley. And here we will be diving in each week to talk about the books we love, the books people just can't stop talking about, and how we deal with being book obsessed. And in today's episode, like I said, I want to talk about young adult book adaptations, books that were made into movies and TV shows. First, I want to talk about some of the notable ones and their impact on pop culture. One series that definitely comes to mind for me is The Hunger Games by Suzanne Collins. It's set in a dystopian future, and this trilogy captivated readers with its narrative and strong social commentary. It was so popular that the domestic opening weekend for the first movie was $152 million. That was a pretty big deal, and that definitely solidified in saying that this is not just any other series. Also, the franchise ended up grossing over $3.2 billion at the worldwide box office. This series was a very big deal. It was a very popular series that turned Katniss Everdeen into a cultural icon and it inspired a new wave of young adult dystopian fiction. Then we also have The Twilight Saga by Stephanie Meyer. This also deserves mention for its seismic impact on young adult books and pop culture. Love it or hate it, there is definitely no denying the cultural phenomenon it became. The saga of Bella, Edward, and Jacob capture the hearts of millions of readers all around the world, and it's definitely sparked discussion about romance, feminism, and of course, the nature of vampires. The worldwide box office for this series grossed over $3.3 billion and the legacy of Twilight extends beyond the books and movies, leaving an indelible mark on pop culture. And it also paved the way for countless young adult supernatural romances, as well as fan fiction endeavors. I would be remiss to not mention that the series did face some criticism in regards to the portrayal of the indigenous characters. Some critics argued that the representation was stereotypical and lacked depth, while others praised the series for bringing attention to the indigenous culture and to mainstream media. This controversy definitely sparked conversations and important discussions about cultural appropriation and the responsibility of authors and filmmakers to accurately represent marginalized communities. Now, these book series turned major box office franchises are just a few examples of the many YA books that have made a significant impact in publishing and pop culture throughout the years. They've sparked important conversations, inspired fan communities, and 
left a lasting legacy that still resonates with readers to this day. I should probably make a quick disclaimer here. There are certain book series I am not going to be discussing today. Harry Potter, Percy Jackson, His Dark Materials, Chronicles of Narnia, probably some others that I just can't think of at this time. The reason I'm not going to be discussing these today is these books are in the middle grade section of the bookstore instead of the young adult section. Am I being too technical? Probably. All of these books, middle grade and young adults, they're all under the children's publishing umbrella. But this episode is all about young adults and their adaptations. Maybe at some point I will do an episode on those books, though. I do feel like Percy Jackson deserves an episode all on its own, especially with those movies that were made. I am still working my way through this series, though. I've read three of them. Hopefully, I can get to the other two soon, but I will get back to you all on that. So I mentioned some of the more popular series earlier. I want to now talk about some of the contemporary novels that have made an impact in the literary world as well as their adaptations. So first up, we have Simon vs. the Homo Sapiens Agenda by Becky Albertelli. It's very heartwarming and also funny. It follows Simon Spear a high school student who is grappling with his sexual identity while navigating the world. He ends up exchanging anonymous emails with one of his fellow classmates. Oh, and he's also being blackmailed. So the title of the movie was changed to Love, Simon, which I guess I do understand because Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda it's, it's pretty long. The book and movie adaptation, it ended up earning widespread praise and it's a beloved favorite amongst YA readers that were seeking representation and inclusivity in YA. Next, we have The Hit You Give by Angie Thomas. This novel follows the story of Star Andrews. Nope, that's, that's a figure skater. Nope. This novel follows the story of Star Carter, a teenager who witnesses the fatal shooting of her unarmed friend by a police officer. There are themes of racial injustice, identity, and the power to speak out against systemic oppression. Both The Hate You Give and Simon vs. The Homo Sapiens Agenda have transcended the pages to become cultural touchstones amongst readers. And they both spent many upon many weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. I was trying to look up how many weeks they spent. I don't know if I was looking in the wrong place or not, but I think with The Hate You Give, I was seeing something over 250 weeks and also something about 50 weeks or more at number one. And I know that Simon was on there for quite a while as well. But these stories have not only entertained, but they've also challenged perspectives and sparked meaningful conversations about identity diversity, and social justice. And they also span spinoffs. Books like Leah on the Offbeat, as well as Concrete Rose. There's also a TV show called Love, Victor. And if I'm speaking about contemporary novels and their adaptations, I, of course, must not forget about John Green. From coming-of-age stories to explorations of love and loss, John Green's novels have resonated deeply with readers of all ages. They've definitely earned him a dedicated fan base as well as critical acclaim. One of his most popular novels is The Fault in Our Stars. It tells the story of Hannah Grace Lancaster, a teenage cancer patient, and Augustus Waters, who is a fellow cancer survivor, as they embark on a journey of love, 
friendship, and acceptance. The portrayal of illness, grief, and the human experience, it definitely did strike a chord with readers worldwide, which helped move it to the top of the bestseller list and also inspired a successful film adaptation. Another book turned into a movie by John Green was Paper Towns. This is a coming-of-age story that follows Quentin Jacobson as he embarks on the road trip to find his neighbor, Margot, who has disappeared under mysterious circumstances. I don't believe that this adaptation did as well as The Fault in Our Stars, but it did not stop Hollywood from calling John Green. Looking for Alaska was adapted into a miniseries on Hulu. It was his debut novel, and it follows Miles Pudgehalter as he navigates friendship, love, and loss at Culver Creek Preparatory School. Now, I've actually only read one of John Green's books, and that was Turtles All the Way Down. And I believe that adaptation might be coming some point this year. But I have seen both The Fault in Our Stars and Paper Towns, and I enjoy both of them. I've yet to watch Looking for Alaska. While many YA adaptations have achieved commercial as well as critical success, there have been some instances where adaptations fell short of expectations. Some that come to mind to me are Aragon, Beautiful Creatures, and even Divergent. So Aragon by Christopher Paulini. It follows a journey of a young farm boy named Aragon who discovers a dragon egg. This sets him on an epic quest to fulfill his destiny as a dragon rider and overthrow the tyrannical ruler of his land. The movie was released in 2006, and it ended up failing to meet expectations at the box office. The movie faced criticism for its rush pacing, lackluster special effects, and apparently deviation from the original story. Now, while Aragon had the potential to launch a successful film franchise, its underwhelming performance resulted in the cancellation of the planned sequels. Another example is Beautiful Creatures by Cami Garcia and Margaret Stoll. So Beautiful Creatures follows the story of Ethan Waite, a small-town teenager who falls in love with Lena Duquesne, who is a mysterious girl with supernatural powers. And they end up uncovering dark secrets about their families and the history of their town. So I've read two books in this series. I read the first book, and I ended up reading the second book, and I didn't like the second book. I don't even know if I still have that series. I might have sold it to Half Price Books because I really did not enjoy the second book. But for some reason right now, I'm kind of thinking that I want to read that series. I guess looking up doing some research on this podcast makes me want to read series I may not enjoy. But the film adaptation failed to attract a wider audience and it underperformed at the box office. There were changes to the original storyline and marketing missteps may have contributed to its lackluster reception. Next, we have The Darkest Minds by Alexander Bracken. This is a book I know I have because I have the hardcover and I've never read it. But I remember buying the hardcover probably around the time that it came out. And I've yet to read this book. I've seen the movie though, but I've yet to read this book. That's a common theme with me. It just is. But this story is set in a dystopian future with a mysterious disease that has wiped out most of America's children, leaving the survivors with extraordinary abilities. 
The story ends up following Ruby Daly, a teenage girl with telekinetic powers, who escapes from a government rehabilitation camp and joins a group of fellow teens on the run. Despite high expectations for its release, the movie ended up struggling to meet box office projections and it faced stiff competition and mixed reviews from critics. But despite the underperformance for these movies, I believe they've found a fan base. At least some of them have. And then we have the Divergent franchise. Some of you might be surprised I have this one in this section. So Divergent by Veronica Roth is a dystopian series set in a dystopian society where individuals are divided into factions based on their virtues. The first movie had a moderately successful box office and the sequel Insurgent had a Super Bowl trailer. I remember that. Things were looking pretty good for the franchise. But when the sequel came out, the box office performance fell short of expectations. I wasn't a fan of Insurgent, the adaptation, and I should have known and been prepared. Veronica Roth herself wrote a blog post about how adaptations can differ from the source material before the movie even came out. Also, for some reason, the decision was made for the final book to be split into two movies, just like The Hunger Games and Twilight were. But I believe after the performance of the second movie at the box office, they decided to change things up. Instead of calling it Allegiant Part 1 and Allegiant Part 2, they decided to just call the third movie Allegiant. But then I believe the fourth movie was supposed to be called Ascendant. But the fourth movie was never made. After I saw the trailer of the third movie, Allegiant, my first thought was the movie would only open to $30 million at the box office, the domestic box office. And it ended up opening to $29 million. So why are some adaptations successful and hit the mark while others miss it completely? Obviously, bringing a beloved book to life on screen is a very huge task. But there are a few things that can make it stand out and leave a lasting impression. First of all, it's all about staying true to the heart of the original story. When these adaptations get what the book is all about, the themes, the characters, the plots, they are the ones that have a lasting impression. Now, these adaptations don't always have to follow the book word for word. Finding that balance between staying faithful to the book and bringing something fresh to the table is crucial. Honoring the essence of the story ensures that fans of the original material feel respected, while adding new elements can breathe life and excitement into the adaptation. So at the end of the day, successful adaptations are all about passion, creativity, and respect for the source material. Also, I mentioned this in my Fifty Shades episode, when a book is already part of the pop culture zeitgeist, like Twilight or The Hunger Games or even Harry Potter, even though I'm not really talking about that book series here, but when the book or series is already part of the pop culture zeitgeist, it definitely helps it do well at the box office. Now let's dive into why some adaptations just don't hit the mark. Adapting a book for the screen holds so much potential, but there are definitely some pitfalls to watch out for. One is when it strays too far from the source material. 
You know, when they start messing with the key plot points and changing character motivations or tweaking the themes that can really rub fans the wrong way. This is why I didn't like the Insurgent adaptation. It did keep certain elements, but I don't think it kept the essence of the story. I don't like that they changed Triss's character. I don't like how they removed certain plot points. I do understand that the Insurgent book had a lot going on. There was definitely a lot going on in that book. But I just wish they had been able to keep certain parts of it and not focus so much on other elements. I want to also talk about a special case here. The Moral Instrument series by Cassandra Clare. The one that started as a movie, but ended up finding success as a TV show. So back in 2013, they tried turning Cassandra Clare's popular book series into a movie franchise. And the first movie was called The Moral Instruments, City of Bones. But it kind of flopped. Critics weren't into it, and even fans felt like it missed the mark. <laughs> Plans for a sequel got scrapped, and things ended up looking pretty bleak for the franchise. And I will say, when a movie is released in theaters... That matters. And I believe they tried to release this towards the end of August in 2013. That does not tell me that you have any faith in this movie series at all. But then in 2016, the story got a second chance on TV with a series called Shadowhunters that aired on Freeform. They did take a different approach this time around with it being a TV show. They were able to dive deeper into the world and characters over multiple episodes. And it seemed to work. With a fresh cast and some creative twists, Shadowhunters found its groove and it won over fans and brought in new ones. So yeah, turns out the small screen was a perfect fit for the Mortal Instruments after all. Shadowhunters ran for three seasons and this is when they had like season 2A and 2B and 3A and 3B or something along those lines. There are six books in the Mortal Instruments series so they were pretty much able to cover pretty much all of what happened in those six books. It's a pretty cool example of how a failed movie can get a new lease on life with the right TV treatment. Which brings us to how streaming services have completely revolutionized the game for book adaptations in recent years. We have Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon Prime Video opening up a whole new world of possibilities for bringing beloved stories to life on the small screen. Take to All the Boys I've Loved Before, for instance. I didn't forget about it. I know I didn't talk about this in the contemporary section, but I definitely didn't forget about it. It is based on Jenny Han's To All the Boys I Loved Before series, and this sweet romance hit Netflix in 2018, and it was all over social media. It became a huge hit. The love story ended up resonating with viewers, and the accessibility of Netflix meant it reached a massive audience. The success helped the other books in the trilogy get adapted as well. Then there's Shadow and Bone, which was adapted by Lee Bardugo's Grishaverse novels. This fantasy series landed on Netflix in 2021, and both diehard fans of the books and newcomers alike really enjoyed it. Now, I have a bone to pick with this one. Not with this series, with Netflix. I don't like the way that they treat their shows. I feel like if this show would have ended up somewhere else, let's say cable, 
instead of streaming, I think it would still be on the air. And I don't think they would have had to rush season two. Anyway, let's not overlook The Summer I Turned Pretty also by Jenny Han, which is getting the adaptation treatment by Amazon. Season one and two are available to stream and season three should be coming soon. These streaming services are investing in original content, which gives ample opportunity for even more adaptations. So Hollywood isn't done with adapting YA novels. Let's talk about some of the ones that are coming out this year and beyond. I only have a few here and I don't have exact dates, especially with the strikes that happened last year, but at least we'll be able to look forward to them. There's Turtles All the Way Down, which I mentioned earlier, The Summer I Turned Pretty Season 3, Heartstopper Season 3, Geek Girl is getting an adaptation, The Tiger's Apprentice as well, Damsel, I believe that comes in March on Netflix, Uglies, that series by Scott Westerfeld, that's coming at some point, and that's the book series I want to read. I never read it. I want to read that one. And then at some point, we're going to get A Good Girl's Guide to Murder, that series. I have one book left to read in that trilogy. I'll probably end up reading that one soon. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of Such a Fun Read. I hope you enjoyed my exploration of the fascinating world of YA book adaptations. And now I have a few things to ask of you. If you're watching this on YouTube, I would really appreciate it if you would click that like button as well as hit subscribe so that you don't miss future episodes. Also, if you're tuning in from Spotify or whatever podcast app you're tuning in from, I truly appreciate it if you would take a moment to rate this podcast five stars and leave a review. Your support definitely means the world to me. Don't hesitate to give us a follow and leave a review. Until next time, happy reading.